All right. We're starting in three. Hello. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not counting down. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Idiologic Obscura. It's me, and we've got Aaron back. Yeah. After after three months of not being around, I'm finally back. Hi, y'all. Yeah. We um. Aaron was trapped in my basement. Um. While I uh. Forced... His basement's called Turkey. <laughs> uh. Yes. The, the my my basement is a great thing called Turkey. Yes. So. Yeah, we're and today we're going to be continuing on with Strasserism as we did last in the last episode. So, Aaron, just to give you an update. Uh, Strasserism is basically a German-specific version of National Bolshevism, in which it didn't we already cover like the German version of National Bolshevism in well, a National Bolshevism episode? How are they different? Give me the bullet points. This one was particularly... Well, it's more so in the case that they were aligned clo closely with the Nazis, actually. Mm. And actually were part of the NSDAP, in which uh, Strasser, both Gregor and Otto, the Strasser bros, were involved in it. However, because of ideological differences in which Hitler did not like the socialist tendencies of these uh, Strasserists, Otto left the, uh, the NSDAP and later killed uh, Gregor and sent uh, Otto into exile mm. with the Knight of the Long Knives. So this last episode, we kind of just mainly talked about the ideological development, but we never didn't, we didn't specifically talk about the specifics of it, but the ideological nuances and uh, finer details of, of it. So we're going to be getting back into this. And, and really, it is after World War II where Strasserism uh, really gets uh, going with its specific uh, plan. Because its main opponent is taken out after the war, right? The Nazis? Exactly. Nice. So, brief history, brief history uh, uh, class. Uh, the Nazis got their ass clapped by both by the by the Allies, both the uh, the Western capitalist countries, uh, the United States and the UK, and their various colonies and allies, such as France or India and what and whatnot, and the Soviet Union. Um, Who did the heavy lifting? Uh, well, they also needed the American equipment. Everyone needs American equipment. Everybody needs American yeah, that's, equipment. That's how. That's what you need to be successful. This is sponsored. This is sponsored by the U.S. Department Department Raytheon. of Defense. This is this is sponsored by Raytheon, supporting your your local Ukrainian today. Let's get let's jump right into it. So, after World War II, Nazis get fucked. Uh, Strasser immediately sees an opening. Right now, Strasser is in Canada. He is. I think he's based in Ottawa. Um, and so. When Germany, um, it, when Nazi Germany is defeated in 1945, and the rebuilding of a new government, um, and later the division between East and West Germany, mm -hmm. uh, based on the zones of control with the West controlling Western Germany and the Soviet Union controlling the East, Strasser sees an opening to get back to get back to Germany and back into politics. Um, so he wasn't exiled, then, you or, know, was he was. He, or was he pardoned? No, 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 he was exiled. No, he was, but, like, did they have an official pardon after the war, or did he just... Well, because back? he wasn't part of the Nazi party um, which they, when they took power, mm -hmm. and he wasn't involved with any of the war crimes, um, there was no... He didn't really do anything exactly wrong. Mm. And also because he was against the Nazis, despite being a former member, that kind of gives him, like, a, you know, a bit of a... of a bit of a carte blanche. Yeah. Not carte blanche, but an alibi, almost. But, as you make a good point, he wasn't exactly welcomed. Both the Allies and the Adenauer administration, which was the, the new German government established in, right after the war, 
um, really did everything possible to prevent Otto to coming back to come back to West Germany, since they thought, rightly so, he intended to unify National Socialists who sought political reorganization in in this new West Germany. Because after the fall of Nazi Germany, there was this intended uh, operation called Operation Werwolf or Werewolf. In which they, in which Nazis would do like a guerrilla warfare campaign in West Germany, and if they could also get political backing, they could eventually re uh, regain, uh, you know, support. See, I think after being completely disarmed by a superior force and also being occupied by them, I don't think it's really gonna like. I don't think Nazis are coming back anytime soon. Well, the the Nazis did they 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 tried initially, but. For, but because the plan wasn't really done very well and was done pretty late, um, the Operation Werewolf was never, um, never really came to fruition. Was quickly quashed. And again, we're better off for it. Yes, we are. This was also intensified with denazification, war crimes trials, um, and basically trying to get those who were really much, really supportive and involved with the Nazi government away from German politics so they could not come back. And they were worried Otto was going to basically get these guys together and reform this into like a new uh, party. They were right, actually. I mean, he did want to re- get back these guys who were formerly with the National Socialists. And so in 1948, still in Canada, he created the Federation for the Renewal of Germany, which sought uh, a, a small organization of a few hundred followers that advocated for armed neutrality in Germany. A third way, both ideologically and geopolitically. Um, this, yeah, I would have supported this movement if it wasn't done by the fascists for the fascists. <laughs> no, yeah, it, that's going to be a common trend that comes up this episode. Uh, it implies so this pro- their program implied an anti-Western, anti-communist strategy, uh, but took a measured tone with Stalin because they because they saw that he was actually kind of interested in German reunification. Um, because st- one of the policy points that Stalin kind of wanted was a neutral Germany. We d- we can debate whether that how uh, earnest that was, but that was one of the policy points that the Soviet Union had at the time, and this would re- weaken the Western camp. However, this federation focused on the legal battle, getting Otto repatriated, that rather than uh, political or electoral organization, and yeah. they actually were successful. Um, in getting him accept, getting him repatriated in 1948, and he came and he came back home to Bavaria and created a new political party, the German Social Union or DSU, in 1956. Uh, shady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and so the DSU did actually attract a steady stream of of young activists. Uh, who would become acquainted with Otto's ideas <laughs> and then leave. <laughs> so concerned conservatives. <laughs> um, uh, that wasn't the only issue that plagued the DSU. He was electorally impotent, divided by ideological conflicts, and paralyzed by Otto's excessive e- See, ego. I mean, that's, that's the thing with movements slash parties that are based around one individual. Yeah. They tend to have excessive ego issues and hamper the entire workings of the organization, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like a. It becomes. I mean, Poseidon was kind of like a cult, but this is more just like somebody's own personal fan. I mean, you don't you don't even have to like go into that much esoteric political knowledge. I mean, just look at Trump, for example. That is true. Like, that man has an ego the size of Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> Probably bigger than Wisconsin. I'm 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 thinking of Gander, Texas. <laughs> 
Um, and in 1962, the DSU actually dissolved, and until the, until his death in 1974, Otto would spend the rest of his days writing in the theoretical journal Vorschau, or Preview in English. Uh, so basically, he after his failure in politics, uh, he would be posting. Yeah, he he would be posting, posting, posting. Before going on to like what happens then to DSU members, I actually do want to talk about this I, the ideological development of Strasserism. Go for it. So, oh, bye, thank you. I, 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 I'm curious so what fascists actually think. Yeah, what? This is, this is true fascism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. These are the real national socialists. The meat and potatoes of national socialism. Yeah. <laughs> Hitler was a traitor. That's actually what Strasserists think. Yeah, he wasn't racist enough. No, no, no. He was, he was too capitalistic. Oh, they, they, that, the racism was not their problem. <laughs> they weren't conservatives. I mean, a yeah, fair point. <laughs> conservative with their racism. Yeah, exactly. Conservative with their racism. <laughs> that's, that's genius. Just to give an overview of what Strasserism is, because the guy is going to fucking die soon in our story. So basically, these are, and these are the main points of this policy. Number one, German socialism as solidarism. Solidarism, as as far as scholars know, Otto was the father of this term, which is characterized by a distinctive anti-capitalist sentiment and entails the socialization of banks, business concerns, and other means of production uh, for the purpose of the redistribution for the benefit of the citizens. And this links to the, point, to the next point, which is uh, a corporate estate, also known as a community of people. This corporate estate uh, state based on the representation would be based on the representation of five social groups: workers, peasants, salary workers slash salary slash civil workers, uh, self-employed professionals. That's us. Uh, artisans and business owners. In which Germany would have a presidential system and a quote true democracy liberated from partisan influences. Uh, so basically, <laughs> so basically, a postmodern caste system. Where, like, the emperor is dressed up as a president, so people think it's a democracy, but it's more of a republic. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how much, if it's a caste system, I think it's just divided up into different sections of society. But, honestly, this is a Nazi yeah, we're mean, talking how, about. I mean, how, how about TikTok content creators? Like, where do they belong? Ooh, that's a good question. Self-employed professionals. Professionally making seven-second-long videos. But I think self-employed professionals can also be artisans as well. Yeah, again, this this is like a black hole of paradoxes. I think I think there are more important things than whether someone's a prof- self-employed professional or not in the Strasserist Germany. 
Well, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think, I think racism's racism. the most important part. Call the ghost of Otto and ask him about the social political implications of his cast. Hold on, let me get my let me get my ghost phone. Ouija <laughs> board. What do you think about the nuances of, of whether would we be considered self-employed professionals and artisans? And we just get back to the N word. <laughs> also, yeah, show him the TikToks too. Yeah, ask him what he thinks. About You'll that. also be very angry that because you're Jewish. Oh yeah, fair point. <laughs> Jewish superiors would also be offended because I engaged in dark magic. That'll be true. Yeah. It's not Kabbalah. Not yet. So the third point is the Volkish Renaissance. So going back to the conservative revolution, um, in which, like you know, the German spirit is to be reborn after it is released from the quote material liberal spirit uh, that is probably capitalism and uh, some degree of communism. The fourth fourth point is an is national freedom, in which Germany must be re reunified and practice armed neutrality. So Germany would probably go like like the PCN, as we talked about in second episode of National Bolshevism, a third way, kind of like a non-aligned way, you know. And so, so and it's, but this is the case of the uh, of the actual policy points of the DSU. But in the case of the actual ideology that Strasser he himself believed, that is probably why he drove a lot of you away. These are the actual. This is the real stuff. Inspired by uh, the conservative revolutionary revolutionary writer uh, Müller von den Bruck, who is Dutch and German, the revolutionary National Socialist believed in the unstoppable rise of the quote young German people, to whom fate had accorded the role of creator and designer of Europe and the bearer of the torch of nationalism in the world, supporting all ethnic struggles of national liberation in the col in the colonies and allying uh, with Russia. Oh, in a war against the old people of the world, Russia as in being the Soviet Union. Thus, German Lebensraum shouldn't be enlarged by conquering the nations to the east. Instead, Germany instead ought to devote its future to colonizing and developing historically German lands, uh, hence the inclusion of all German minorities in the Reich. The vile renewal was targeted at the bourgeoisie as well as the proletariat. Otto, like Ernst Junger, uh, another conservative revolutionary thinker uh, and veteran of the First World War, dreamed of a new worker, but of a particular peasant type, be it a peasant worker, peasant intellectual, or peasant soldiers. This peasant part is very is going to be get very interesting. Otto's objectives was to achieve a socialization uh, of society wherein the community and all its members could benefit from the land and the means of production, through the disappearance of heavy industry. Yeah. Deindustrialization. Disappearance of heavy industry structures and their dis and their dispersion and management into small decentralized units into rural communities. That would bring together peasant workers. So instead of instead basically it's back to land kind of thing or uh deurbanization and people going back to rural areas. Um and he advocated the, necessi the necessity of, a of adopting a Spartan lifestyle, wherein consumption is reduced to satisfaction, satisfaction of primary needs. The thing is, like specifically in Germanic countries, you already see eating food as something that's primarily seen as satisfaction of primary needs rather than something to enjoy, you know? Yes. Like, it also, it's also visible in the cuisine itself. Like, I'm not saying Dutch or German <laughs> cuisine. No, no, I'm not saying this as a joke. Like, 
I'm not saying Dutch and German cuisines are bad, but they're very simple to make, you know? Yeah. It says, like, satisfy your daily caloric intake rather than something yeah. excessively delicious. They're not very aesthetic. They're not they, They're not focused on the aesthetics of the food. Like but, I French. mean, it, it gets the job done. Like, meat and potatoes. Like, you know, everything you need in life. Literally means potatoes, yeah. I mean, we're getting, we're getting into food ideology now. <laughs> <laughs> Next episode... <laughs> Actually, I think one of the ideologies later we might cover, we'll have to talk about their food. Good. Um, so, Strasser, and so, where so wherein the reduced sat, re, consumption is based on satisfaction of primary needs, and with near autarky on the local level. A medium what reduction... Autarky? That's a good. That's a great question, yeah. Aaron. You know, because like we, we, we also we, educate the people. You're right. Actually, do you want to say you want you want to say what it is? Uh, no. <laughs> Fuck you, man. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm keeping that in. That's too funny. <laughs> so I fucking stop listening. Uh, if you're still listening, God bless you. Uh, so autarky is basically in which you production is. Uh, mainly done within your own country. So instead, of, so you're less focused on importing stuff, and instead you make it yourself, basically. So it's like self-sufficiency. Exactly. DIY on a country level. Here's the thing, with, with the modern economies, with like global, a globalized world, the only country that can feasibly maintain an autarchical economy is the U.S., the rest can't... I'm not sure it. about that. But I'm the US definitely can maintain an autarchy. Like, this is outside the podcast. We would have to... We would have to really try very hard and change a lot of things. There would be a lot of inefficiencies and changes. No, because, I mean, y'all already have the materials and the means to produce cars and, like, military equipment. You also have oil. You yeah, have vast agricultural lands. You have technical infrastructure. Like, what more do you need? Uh... I mean, unless we cut ourselves off from the finance and stuff like that. We just need to... Re- we need to re uh onshore back uh the uh uh the industries that we that we uh offshore to other uh, developing countries that's a way to prevent people from trump to coming power i agree yeah. uh, that that that's we're getting political on this podcast <laughs> no, uh, this, this, this is a very politically correct podcast we yes are neutral yes we're, we're we're very politically correct time to cancel uh cancel people on the internet um <laughs> so also there would be a medium term reduction in production of consumer goods, so mm-hmm. only things that you need. You don't need uh, your Funko Pops. Sorry, libtards, you don't need them. Uh, you don't need your uh, Pornhub uh, subscription fees. You don't need that. You don't need uh, your anal beats. <laughs> and okay, all right, all right. And the contraction of the remnants of capitalism, already weakened by the workers' participation in decision making, management, and ownership of capital. Banks would remain as in a transitional phase that would lead to the gradual replacement by a national and later international system of a kind of barter economy. So the entire international economic system is going to become a Middle Eastern bazaar. That's what you're saying. Exactly. Vibes. The, the 1932 plan uh, that the um, that the Nazis kind of had uh, before, like Hitler changed it, included uh, uh, well, actually, I think it was the KGRNS, probably. I think. I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, included a Japanese-style co-prosperity sphere for certain raw materials and resources located in Eastern Europe, Asia, and Africa. In this concept, the USSR would be was considered an objective ally of the new Strasbourg Germany. 
Strasser's nationalism wasn't based on racialism, but was based on anti-Semitism. I'm not sure about the racialism part, uh, because I think they would also be pretty fucking racist, especially oh, against yeah. black people. It's never only anti-Semitism. Yeah, it's never only anti-Semitism. Um, and instead, Otto uh, was first to have systematically stressed uh, the importance of ethno-linguistic independence movements, such as the Bretons, the Flemish, the Basques, and the Scots. And for left-wing national socialists, nationalism was a tool to reorganize Europe along ethno-linguistic lines, as well as a practical model for all people of the world. Um, so, basically, we kind of get this third-way, almost Pol Pot-like kind of shit. Yeah, except with less murder because they never came to power. Yes, exactly. But also, but and just as racist because Pol Pot was also really fucking racist. Like was he, he was. He actually did a genocide on uh, on Vietnamese. No, but I mean, I feel like his main the main location of the genocide was the urban area, so that the people would be pushed to the countryside. No, no, he also no, no, he also killed uh, Vietnamese and displaced them. I mean, that's why Vietnam invaded Cambodia. And- yeah. Them, yeah. I mean, good job, Vietnam. Yeah, great job, Vietnam. Um, and so that is kind of just this idea. So if you want to actually know what the ideology was, that was it. We've been talking about mostly the organizational thing, but that is the ideology. And this is getting going to be developed by Strasserus after Strasserism. So going back to the organizational and ideological history of Strasserism, we go back to 1962 with the dissolution of the DSU. Its former party members and activists would join mostly would mostly join the far right, uh, with a handful joining left, uh, the far left, such as the Independent Workers Party of Germany, uh, not uh, not a left wing thing, a right wing thing. Yeah, uh, which is a story in itself, since it's a, a splinter of the resurrected uh, KPD. Uh, this splinter would be create. Oh, oh, sorry. Actually, I'm getting confused. I, I did get this confused. So it's the in, there's the independent workers. There's the in, there is an independent workers party. Yeah. But it's not the independent workers party of Germany. The independent workers party of Germany is left wing, while the independent workers party is right wing. Oh, yeah, it's a time long. <laughs> Are you the Judean People's Front? Fuck off. What? Judean People's Front. Well, the People's Front of Judea. Judean people's front wankers. <laughs> but the majority of the DSU would go to the right, um, such as the uh, Deutsche Reichspartei or the German Empire Party, which would later form, and uh, which would actually later form the siege of a larger party party that is actually still going on today, but it has gone through different forms. The National Democratic Party of Germany, or NPD, which uh, still exists today. Are they still based in Bavaria? Uh, the NPD, uh, I am not sure where they're based, because I think they have gone around and done a bunch of sh- So the NPD would be formed in 1964, but would actually achieve some degree of electoral success in 1966 with the formation of the Christian Democratic, uh, Christian Democratic Union, um, and the Social Democratic Party, Social Democratic Party of Germany, the SPD, uh, joining together in a coalition, seemingly basically the the far, the right, and the left and center left would form a coalition, which horrified a lot of uh, right wingers, and this led to that to the NPD's breakthrough, and they emerged as as a party uh, that attended to the collective concerns of 
of the only forces opposing uh, the established parties. And they also capitalized on the uh, the economic crisis um, at that time and also fears of a student revolution that happened in 1968, like that in Paris. And like mainland Europe in general. Yeah, exactly. And, main, and also, like, there were revolutions going on all over in Europe at that time. So in the election in 1968, they won 9.6% of the vote in Baden-Württemberg. Not bad. Not bad for a very new party, especially if you're fucking racist. And they had a charismatic leader, an excellent communicator, Adolf von Thaden. <laughs> like, like you can't, you can't make this up. His name's fucking Adolf, and he's got, and he's got like von Thaden in there. It's sounds... Historic, historical coincidences. <laughs> However, Thaden and his cadre and his cadres were hostile to the Strasserists and the quote national revolutionaries, and became to label them as uh, Trotskyist infiltrators. This was only worsened by the fact that there was a significant amount of former SS and NSDAP uh, cadres in the party. So the same guys that actually killed, that, that liquidated them a couple decades back, are they're in the same room together, and they're like, oh, fuck these guys again. Not <laughs> against a common enemy now. They're night against a common enemy. Strasserist. Germany. <laughs> uh... And thereby they crowded out, and they also they crowded out these Strasserists, re re relegating them to intermediary and local leadership positions. However, the small, quote, left wing uh, of the party would actually play an important role in their first breakup. The other reason for their hostility was also ideological things. They, want, they wanted a, uh, a single corporatist and autarkic state uh, rather than, like, the more... Uh, uh, Bolshevik communist kind of thing of like a top-down state-owned enterprises and shit like that. A state-owned uh, industry and nationalizations. And they also uh, rejected supranational European integration uh, in favor of a Gaulist, quote, Europe of, Europe of nations that avoided any aculturation in binding of political ties, whether that be with anti-Americanism or anti-communism. Also, kind of like a third-way position uh, geopolitically. Although, they nearly made it into the Bundestag, actually, in 1969. Just because you need to get to 5%, they got 4.3. Oh, shit. Yeah, they were only, what, 0.7% off from getting into the Bundestag. Though, to be honest, the, the Constitutional Court would have tried to ban them as a party, uh, based on, like, denazification laws. I mean, as they should. Yeah, exactly. This electoral near-miss led to the decline of the MPD with electoral failure leading to infighting and led to negative and this infighting led to further negative PR. So it just spiraled out and they experienced this long-term decline from 1971 to 1993. However, while the NPD was declining and was getting their shit kicked in, uh, there was actually a new movement going around. And this was called the New Right Movement, or just the New Right, that was growing, that grew, um, that sprung up from the new intellectual and organizational uh, rightist uh, thinkers that developed in the nineteen in the nineteen sixties, and these would then come about in the seventies uh, as these small groups or what's called nuclei that would exist outside of the MPD, uh, and their main thoughts again. Same stuff we've heard before over and over again. Anti-imperialism, both Soviet and American. 
and pro-reunification of Germany between East and West and probably also the former territories lost after, from World War II. Mm-hmm. And also something interesting called biohumanism, which derived from the contemporary studies of genetics, eugenics, ethology, and also had uh, and also had a strong. But what do you mean by ethology? I don't know what ethology is. Can you can you type that in? Let's let's look it up. We'll be back after the commercial break. Sponsored by Raytheon. Scientific study of animal behavior. Ah, yes. So they're going to apply the same animal behavior uh, to humans and then ju- use that to justify racism. Fair. They're also eco-fascists, basically. This is also like where we get some, like, you know, the pro-ecology kind of thing. See, see, dear listeners, ever since we started recording this podcast, we've been attempting to tie everything back to neo... No, what was it again? National Bolshevism. Basically, everything kind of does tie back to National Bolshevism in it's a way. It's the blueprint. It's the blueprint. And furthermore, they also supported... Uh, state socialism and planned and planned economy they had they were also very much in favor of revolutionary activism and less concerned with electoralism and were actually influenced by uh or leninist organization organizational uh, principles such as uh, democratic centralism uh and their ideological thinkings were of course from the conservative revolution Actually, I lied about the being not being concerned with the electoralism. Some of them were parties, but the ones that weren't were more just like activists, such as the Young National Democrats and the Jungsform. But the, but the main ones that were also like parties were the Labor Party and the Independent Workers Party. Not to be confused with the Ind- Independent Workers Party of Germany. <laughs> and the Labor Part, the Labor Party is actually quite interesting. It was led by this guy named Friedhelm Bus Bussi. Freedom Bussy was actually the former head of the NPD's trade union committee and was a Strasserist. And he was, he was based in uh, Nordrhein-Westfalen or North Rhine-Westphalia, uh, but was kicked out from the party for participating in, a, uh, in the late 70s for participating in an attack on the Soviet embassy in Bonn, which is kind of fucking random. Cause you yeah, think, like, why attack the Soviets? And then why get kicked out for that? Yeah. Because, like, I mean, they're, they're anti-communists. Like, why would that be a bad thing? Was it, like, because they were worried that they were going to get, like, a terrorist? They probably didn't want to have the KJB assassinate them one by one. Mm. Shame. <laughs> and B- Bussy's uh, Labor Party, I'm just going to keep calling him Bussy, uh, basically has some very interesting and syncretic tendencies, basically. As any Strasbourg would. They had democratic centralism, Maoist slogans uh, such as people struggle in favor of the Bader Meinhof gang and their attacks, and they and they also sought to mythologize Strasser and Rum um, mm-hmm. as like, you know, heroes of a of a national socialism. And they would actually stat but th- they would also, like any all these other organizations, would stagnate until they split uh, until they split to join the either the the new right to action and the independent workers party or uap the uap uh from was also from the dsu and was established in in the Ruhr region uh which if some of you viewers may remember that was also where you had the Ruhr uprising so something again historical parallels historical parallels and they were of course national socialists so believed in social revolution 
uh, believed in European neutrality and anti-imperialism, both Rush either uh, with Russia or the United States. It's either Russian ter- so, sorry, Soviet territorial expansion or American cultural imperialism. And this is, I mean, that's the thing that can be shared by a lot of nationalists from around the world. What? Uh, this idea of Ameri- of, of uh, anti-Americanism. I mean, yeah, people don't really appreciate when most of a country's institutions are indirectly controlled by the U.S. Sucks to suck. <laughs> sucks, su- sucks to be, sucks not being the most powerful country on the planet. Oh, what are you going to do about it? Loser. Nah, I'm kidding. Um... And they actually did benefit from the MP collapse because, you know, then they get to all the other members will come to them. For sure. It's just basically this entire history of like Strasserism after Strasser is the rise and fall of various like niche of these various like minor groups that you will never hear about uh, except on this podcast. Yeah, that's the overall trend in our podcast. That's the overall trend. So, I mean, Poseidism was the closest to like taking over a fucking country. Uh,. Because, yeah, but like the help from the aliens didn't come. So no, it didn't. I mean, they they actually did have a lot of influence in in Cuba, even during the Cuban Missile Crisis. But Castro kicked them out. However, the German New Right actually kind of collapsed mainly because of their inability to reconcile theoretical contradictions. Um, and but it did. But this, you know, this period of time did have an impact on later neo-Nazi organizations and uh, far right organizations. However, there there still was organizations that were going around and doing stuff. For example, the uh, People's Socialist Movement of Germany da- uh, slash Labor Party, or the VSBD slash PDA. I fucking hate these names. It's like they're trying to make it fucking long. Uh, which was based in it's Munich. The acronyms are driving me crazy, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was based in Munich. Here, you can have a seat here. No, no, no. I'm good here. Okay. Which was based in Ger- Which was based in Munich and... You know, basically had the same kind of thing. People's uh, socialism, Strasserism, and people's socialism as Strasserism, and viewed explicitly that Hitler was a betrayed socialism, which is very interesting because I don't think Hitler ever really was interested in I helping socialism. Yeah, <laughs> socialist about national socialism was the term. I mean, they do they do try to. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the Strassers did try to have, like, a legitimate, like, attempt to, like, be like, oh, the workers are owning the means of production, but we're also fucking racist. Hitler did not give a shit about that. He was like, I want power. And they would get, however, they would actually kind of, ironically, these groups would get kind of close to uh, neo-Nazi groups. And the and this one group that actually we did briefly touch on, I think, in the PCN episode, in episode two of National Bolshevism, Oh god, it's gonna be a terrible name name. The cause of the people slash organization for the construction of the National Revolutionary Movement or the D V slash N R A O God I despise politics. And the uh um and in another group called like this the uh Solidaritist People's Federation came out from Originally, that these right-wing organizations would have rigid cadre schools. However, some members wanted a more uh, grassroots uh, and spontaneous um, and autonomous per- approach. So kind of like the anarchists um, and also like more like uh, libertarian leftist uh, groups that you would see around um, even today. And on this path, they actually came across 
uh, splinter elements of the Ma of Maoist groups, such as the uh, Communist Party of Germany, Marxist-Leninist. Um, in 1976, they formed uh, cells incorporating them, and they and these they, they worked together to actually uh, form cells and incorporate themselves successfully into in the environmentalist movement in the 1970s. Um, but you know, these groups were largely vanished into obscurity in the 1980s, and in the 1980s. We know what's happening next. Say it with me, Aaron. The fall of Berlin Wall. Exactly. The fall of Berlin Wall. Yes. And Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Yeah. And the end of communism. I mean, everyone was surprised about this. And the Strasserists did not take this well because they had this formula of better, uh, better red than dead, um, which, you know, left them to be dead, basically. However... Um, because, and that basically just kind of made them already obscure, from barely, like, noticeable to obscure. Though they would kind of actually get some degree of a political uh, reconstitution fall with reunification, since the failure uh, to revitalize uh, East Germany uh, with uh, Helmut Kohl promising, like, you know, flourishing landscapes uh, and reconstruction, and re during uh, reunification of East Germany in the 1990s, did not come to fruition, which left a lot of people uh, in the East very disgruntled. And this is why, like, and this has led to the far right uh, growing in East Germany today, with a lot of them voting for the current far right party, uh, alternative. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, they alternative uh, alternative for Deutschland. Yeah, um, and this would actually, and so. But the interesting thing is that a lot of people in East Germany would have actually have an anti-capitalist bent to them, which kind of made themselves a bit, uh, you know, supportive of some some degree of Strasserism. You would actually see these kind of uh, uh, comradeships groups in which like members, in which on the periphery of like right-wing parties during that time, uh, would actually form into like these small cells of people who were formerly part of the uh, the large Communist Party. Um, in that region. However, uh, this was not exactly very successful. And the, uh, the one party where they did actually did have a small amount of success, um, that was kind of a bit Strasserist, was the Republicans. <laughs> I'm not joking, that's actually their name. Republicans? Yes. Well, like, not American. No, 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 no. They're known as Republicans or the REP, um, or in German, Der Republikaner. And this initial party was actually done by more conservative, uh, more conservative members of the, uh, of the CDU who wanted to actually go back to the traditional conservative roots of that party, uh, of their original party, so they made their the Republicans. However, it actually was hijacked by uh, by this, by a TV presenter and former uh, SS member Franz Schönhuber, uh, who was very charismatic and were, was able to lead the party to actually a degree of success, also because of the economic crisis um, in the mid '80s, with the REP winning 7.5% of the vote in West Berlin and 7.8% of the votes of of the vote and six seats in the European Parliament. Both in 1980. Though they would also kind of like get fucked as well. Today, there are still some Strasserist movements, and mostly they're relegated to spreading their pop propaganda 
sometimes on the street or uh, on the internet. A lot mainly, like, you know, as people have, have gotten access to the internet, they've become exposed to obscure ideologies. Much like us! Yeah! Exactly, like us. I mean, Thomas is my uh, funnel, tunnel into ideologies like this, but still, you know. Yeah. Also, or Reddit. <laughs> and that is, and so they, and actually the interesting thing about them in the streets is that they often do this thing where they, where they adopt the strategy of, of a autonomous nationalism. What basically that means is that when they do protests, they adopt both the style the stylistic and or and organizational elements of Antifa and anti-fascist movements, um, in which they'll you know they'll dress like in black like black block. They'll dress all in black. They'll uh you know they'll form like a block together that protects them uh with like the banners and everything almost forming like a cordon that moves through moves through the protests, often with anti-capitalist and also racial nationalist, uh, revolutionary nationalist slogans on their thing, um and. Uh, well, also, even, they'll even, like, carry, a f so if someone's seen, like, the Antifa flag, how you know it's, like, the black flag and then the red flag behind it, mm -hmm. they also do that, too. But instead of anti-fascist action, it's often, like, national socialist action. Yeah, but the colors and all that are the same, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So if someone wanted to ask, what if Antifa, what, what were the real fascists, this is it. <laughs> and they are still around today somewhat. You'll see them on the internet. Uh, you know, like, posting and shit like that. You'll see them sometimes on the street, even in our country here. Um, our lovely country, yeah. yeah. Seriously, there was one that happened. They even had, like, a protest in Arnhem that I saw. No, I mean, of course, mainland Europe, they're, of course, going to have it. Yeah. Even in, in, in America, they had, like, this traditional workers' party, but I think it broke up because a guy had an affair with a, with a person from another race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In short, I know I uh, this this episode is not the most organized one I've done so far. Kind of apologize for that, but what basically is the overall recapitulation of this, and, and for kind of a conclusion of this, yeah. is that following uh, both even during the time of Strasser, is that we've seen the rise and fall of these small groups, sometimes no more than like a couple hundred people, like even six hundred people. Um, or, or, like, as large as, like, only a couple thousand. Uh, this would be countrywide, not even, like, in a small city or community. And which they would, uh, you know, get some degree of success initially and then kind of fizzle out. As someone who's been part of uh, social movements myself, you know, this can be attributed to internal fighting, burnout, people ex people having, you know, fucking lives to deal with and stuff like that. Uh, infighting, uh, people, only a handful of people actually doing the work that is necessary to keep a party it's going. Like a form of vanguardism. Not Which so. is like a vanguard that's trying to, like, defend the party against external forces or something. Not so much. It's more, it's not exactly, it's not vanguardism because they're, it's not about, like, often it's not even about, like, the idea of, like, waging revolution. Is often about like maintaining the party together. Like you have a core of people that like really do the administrative work, that show up to the meetings, that uh, do the do like the tax information or the collecting of dues and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, though and like then come out with a plan and, and like uh, or do the daily like newsletter that they have or whatever. Those are the actual like people who are the core of the party and those who kind of sometimes maybe show up or do something, or pay their dues, are often on the periphery of the party. And if you don't have that core, a very solid core, 
the periphery will just like dissolve away. Yeah. And that has been the case that has been happening for the Strasserist movement, and a lot and this is not unique to the Strasserism, but that has been the thing that has constantly plagued them uh, around is that often they have this infighting in the core that leads to, you know, them being phased out, or they're an insurgent uh faction within another organization, and they get phased and they get like pushed out or even fucking killed. And so that has been the reason why I think that, and also a lot of other organizations, as to their constant failure. And Aaron's putting the microphone really close to my face. <laughs> Things are getting serious now. So. And I just think that this is a fascinating thing of like also discussion of uh, social movements, uh, regardless of ideology. You know, you can also have this for some of the most like more benign ones, like Extinction Rebellion or like a like the student union at our. Uh, at our university, like, you know, there, sometimes they don't actually, you know, do stuff or they don't get involved. It's, this could be everything from, like, a student council at your local university or a club all the way to, like, a fucking national, national party. National-level party. Exactly. Or even international. So this, is, so this is the aspect of, like, you know, develop of, like, social movements. This is a lesson on, like, what happens, what goes on, and how things rise and fall constantly. And this is what happened with Strasserism ideology man hey and that's it folks that's it for the episode that's 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 a high point to end the episode on, yeah aaron anything you want to say any comments words uh affirmations you want to say to uh our uh uh friends yeah no i'm just happy ideologies like this are on the outskirts of the political consensus so we can just talk about it and laugh at it rather than you know take it seriously but i mean yeah yeah. yeah, and so we'll come out uh, probably maybe this month or maybe not. I don't want to get your hopes up. because Fingers I, crossed this month, but again, no promises. No promises on this uh, because I do have exams coming up, and I really want to focus and study on them. I'm also going to be going away on a business trip uh, to the UK. Uh, actually, it's not a business trip. It's my union. Uh, we're going to be doing business-related trip. Business-related. We're going to be. Do, we're, I'm going to be off in the UK for a couple of days, so you won't. I won't be here. Uh, Aaron is also. You know, Aaron's going to be. Oh, Aaron, what are you doing? I have no idea. Aaron's going to be playing Yakuza. Yeah, basically, and just studying from time to time to survive the master I'm doing right now. Yeah. So, but thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. And tune in next time, and I'll see you around. Bye bye. <laughs>